So I am grateful that you all have chosen to be back with us this evening. If you have been counting in this series so far, tonight is message number 30 out of the book of Galatians. And uh, it looks like, unless something radical happens, then um, next week will be 31, and we're going to cap it right off right there. So anyway, if you all have made it the whole time, praise God, bless you for that. So tonight we encounter a truth that is so universal that there is a version of it in every major religion and every major philosophy around the world. It is a truth that is so applicable to every facet of life that if you are willing to apply it, it is guaranteed to bring results in the future. It is a truth that is so undeniable that when people try to avoid it, they only encounter the negative side of the same truth and often they will pay dearly for the education. So what truth am I referring to? I am talking about the law of sowing and reaping. So over the years, people have created idioms in order to describe this same basic idea. And some of these idioms will focus on the negative side, others will focus on the desired result. There's a really good chance that you're gonna recognize most of them that I'm about to walk through. So, for example, people will say things like this. What goes around comes around. Absolutely. Now, that phrase usually focuses on the negative side of things. It's often a warning. It's like when somebody's doing something stupid, that's the last thing you tell them before they get themselves in trouble. Um, others would say turnabout is fair play or life goes full circle. Same basic idea, usually warnings to say your actions have consequences. Now, some people will quote the prophet Hosea and not even know that they're making a biblical reference. And that is they'll say, when you sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind. That's an actual quote, Hosea chapter 8, verse 7. Uh, when somebody does something really bad, really stupid, really mean, and all of a sudden something happens to them that's really bad, really stupid, something like that, some people say it's karma. It's same concept, completely different religious and philosophical view. The law of sowing and reaping is closely connected to the golden rule or the ethic of reciprocity. Jesus summarized the entire law and the prophets over in Matthew 7, verse 12, by saying, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The street version of that is treat others how you want to be treated. Same basic idea. Now, if you're from the South, and some of you grew up here, some of your transplants here, there's another wonderful one that came out off the farm, and that is chickens come home to roost. The point is, doesn't matter where you go, that same basic idea. It's all phrases implying the same thing. Our actions, either good or bad, are going to have consequences that come back to us. We reap what we sow. We attract what we give. We receive what we dish out. So it should really cause us all to stop and say, what am I sowing right now? How am I treating people right now? When the harvest comes back in, what am I going to reap at harvest time? Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the grace we extend becomes the community we enjoy. The idea behind that is whenever we treat someone with grace, when they mess up, when they sin, 
We are hoping that when we mess up or we sin, they are going to treat us with a similar type of grace. The grace we extend becomes the community we enjoy. We also talked in that message about bearing one another's burdens, and by so doing, we are fulfilling the law of Christ. The law of Christ is the law of love. We found in chapter 5, verse 14, that God wants us to love our neighbors as ourselves. So the idea is when you help someone when they need it, there's a good chance if they happen to be around, if they happen to know that you have a problem, if they happen to be able to help, that they would help you when you need it. It is the law of sowing and reaping. So as we continue tonight in Galatians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul throws fuel on that fire. He shares examples. He provides principles. He gives challenges about sowing and reaping. He provides a depth and an insight and an application of the laws of sowing and reaping that you do not find anywhere else within Scripture. This is a text that is like a nugget of goodness that is dipped in the wisdom of God, and it's being served on a plate of, you better listen. Okay? <laughs> There's a lot going down in this text. We cannot afford to not listen to the laws of sowing and reaping. So I invite you, go with me in your Bible, Galatians chapter number 6. We are going to be in verses 6 through 10. Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. It says, the one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then while you have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we get into your word tonight, may your spirit guide us into truth. God, help us to understand how this principle is applied. Lord, would you give us eyes to see exactly where in our lives right now you are wanting us to focus on the laws, the principles of sowing and reaping. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have five verses that we're going to cover tonight. And we're going to address it maybe in a little bit different fashion. That is, the topic is sowing and reaping. But to understand sowing and reaping, we're actually going to dig into the three middle verses. That is verses 7, 8, and 9. And then we're going to go to the outer verses, verses 6 through 10. What we're going to do is, once we understand the principles it's a little bit easier to see the application side of things. So here's the big idea that we want to work through tonight. The idea is we reap what we sow later than we sow it in proportion to what was sown. We reap what we sow later than we sow it in proportion to what was sown. So I'm going to break that idea down over multiple steps tonight. So let's begin with the first phrase. We reap what we sow. If you were to look over into verse number 7 for just a moment, you're going to notice that there are multiple warnings that come out. 
there are three succinct statements that come in a staccato-like fashion. They are quick. They are sharp. They even stay on a very similar beat. It is, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. You reap what you sow. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. You reap what you sow. Paul begins with deception. Do not be deceived. Now, Paul has reason to be concerned about the Galatians when it comes to deceptions. The reason here is he has already warned them about being bewitched back in chapter 3, verse 1. He's also talked to them about deserting Christ for another gospel, chapter 1, verse 6. They were wavering in areas of truth, and this is another one of those places. He says, do not be deceived. Deceived means primarily being led astray. Do not be led astray. One of my goals as a pastor is to prayerfully work in a way that is going to encourage people to love to be in the Word of God. I want you to be in the Word. I want you to fall so deeply in love with the God of the Word that you will inevitably love the Word of God. I want you to be grounded in the Word. I want you to have a theological astuteness so that the moment something doesn't sound right, there are alarm bells going off in your mind. I want you to be in a place so that when the word of God has been twisted, when it's been contorted, when it's been taken out of context, that you recognize it and there's almost a a feeling inside where there's something unsettled, like you've got to stop it, like there's something wrong. I want you to know the word of God. There is a danger, though, that happens in churches, especially if the Word of God is not taught, if the Word of God is not valued, if busyness gets in the way of intimacy. Here's what happens. People find themselves saying, oh, I already know what the Bible says. I don't need to study it for myself anymore. I went to church last week. I I heard a message. I don't need to be in the Word the other six days out of the week. We need to be in the Word every day. We need to know what the Word of God says. Here is a warning for all of us. Biblically illiterate Christians will become religiously deceived. It is not if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If you don't know what the Word says, when somebody says something that sounds like the Bible and it's somebody you might respect or it's a ministry that you might admire, when somebody says that and you don't know what the Word of God says, you'll find yourself deceived. No one wants to be a fool. But at the same time, if we're unwilling to be in the word, we are setting ourselves up for disaster. When we are deceived, here's what Paul is teaching in this text. It leads to us treating God with contempt. And you might say, how in the world did you get there? The word he used is mocked. It means to turn up one's nose, to scorn, to sneer. How does that happen? What does that look like in real time when somebody is looking at God with contempt? They're holding up their nose at him. They're sneering at him. What does that actually look like? Here's what it looks like. When we don't believe what God has said in his word, when we think we are so smart, 
so good, so bulletproof that we can do whatever we want and there's no consequences that'll come back against us. We are thumbing our nose at God. Paul says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. R.G. Lee, the pastor who came before Adrian Rogers at Bellevue Baptist, had a famous message entitled, Payday Someday. When God says you reap what you sow, it might not come today, it might not come next week, but there's a payday someday. In verse number eight, Paul teaches we have to be careful where we sow. There's only two places he mentions. We're either sowing to the flesh or we are sowing to the spirit. Why do we have to be careful about where we sow? Here it is. When we're finished sowing, we can't change the harvest. You reap what you sow. Now, sometimes Christians try to bypass this particular principle of sowing and reaping. They know what God says about relationships. They know what God says about giving and generosity. They know what God says about sex outside of marriage. They know what God says about lying, what he says about divorce, what he says about serving others, what he says about gathering together, what he says on all of these topics. They know what God says because God has been very, very clear in his word on those topics. But here's the thing. When what God says conflicts with what they want, they do what they want anyway. They're going to make it themselves. They're going to follow their own path. And then here's what's going to happen. Notice how often people will make excuses as to why God's word does not apply to their specific situation. They're like, oh yeah, that might be good for you, but you don't know what I'm going through right here. And we begin to justify things. We make excuses about this. Then when Christian friends come up to try to warn them, here's what people will say. You're not being loving. You're not being supportive. You need to love me. You need to just accept who I am. This is my decision. And what happens is we begin to barricade ourselves against the principles of wisdom, against the body of Christ. We do things that are going to lead towards our demise. And when somebody spends months and years sowing to the flesh and sowing to the deeds of the world, when they do that over and over again, they're going to reap a harvest. But here's what they're trying to do. They're trying to pray for crop failure on the other side you reap what you sow there's a payday someday do not be deceived God is not mocked the issue here is there's not a crop failure on the other side that's not how this works Paul starts with a warning. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this, that same thing, that same action, he will also reap. When we finish sowing, we cannot change the harvest. Verse 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. The word corruption, it was Use, here's a beautiful scene, of a putrefying corpse in the process of decomposition. It speaks of something that's going from bad to worse. 
If you'll remember from previous Sundays when we talked about the flesh, the flesh is the remnants of our former sin nature. It's the habits, the traits, the tendencies that we developed prior to coming to faith in Christ. It's what's left over of that rebellious spirit, the remnants of that former sin nature. The thing is, when you sow to the flesh, you will reap the putrefying, decomposing consequences of your own actions. Things will go from bad to worse. British pastor John Stott wrote, and I quote, Every time we allow our mind to harbor a grudge, nurse a grievance, entertain an impure fantasy, wallow in self-pity, we are sowing to the flesh. Every time we linger in bad company of those whose insidious influence we know we cannot resist, every time we lie in bed when we ought to be up praying, every time we read pornographic literature, every time we take a risk that strains our self-control, we are sowing, sowing, sowing to the flesh. End of quote. Listen to the way the book of Proverbs calls out this same idea and warns people about our cons- the consequences of our actions. Here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 24 through 31. Wisdom speaking and says, Because I called out and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. And you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. I also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes. When your dread comes like a storm and your calamity like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, they would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. So, oh, listen, so they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. That's a scary statement. They shall eat the fruit of their own way. When we refuse God's instruction, when we reject his warnings, when we say we can handle it, we got it, We don't need to worry about those things. Listen to this. God lets us eat it all. Being turned over to our own devices is scary. Praise God for the restraining hand of grace. When there is a friend who loves you enough to stand in the way of the moving train and say, what you're doing is wrong. That same person down the road, when the consequences come back, that will often be the only friend you can look back and say, that was a true friend in my life. They were the ones willing to step in and to speak up when nobody else was saying anything. We reap what we sow. Second part, later than we sow it. Verse nine, it says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. The emphasis of verse number nine is definitely on the positive side of reaping. 
Uh, it says, do not lose heart, don't give up, don't grow weary. In due time, we will reap. Uh, here, here's just a basic idea. You don't have to be a farmer for this. You don't have to be a gardener to get this. Basic idea is, we know you don't sow seeds at breakfast and reap the harvest by dinner. Like, there's time between those two pieces. We reap what we sow later than what we sow it. You might not reap the consequences today, might not be tomorrow, but in due season you will reap. It also on the other side, the positive side of this, it might be that you are sowing to the things of the Spirit. You keep praying, you keep leading, you keep teaching, you keep encouraging, you keep reaching out, and it seems like nothing is happening, and you're about to grow weary in this. Even on that side, he says, you will reap in due season if you don't grow weary. It is a wonderful promise that we have from God. Now, I wish all believers would take this seriously. But I really, really wish teenagers, college-age students, 20-somethings would listen carefully to what this is about to say. There are more temptations right now than we would have time to cover. Everything within the world is glamorizing sin. There's more temptations when it comes to sex, more temptations when it comes to abusing alcohol, more temptations when it comes to making everything about self. There is more opportunity to indulge fleshly desires than we could probably ever imagine. Temptation is everywhere. Sin is glamorized. And people will say this, you're only young once. Enjoy it. You only get one chance to be a teenager, only one opportunity going through college. Like, soak it up, live it all, do it all. Yes, listen, yes, you are only young once. But the consequences of foolish actions can last a lifetime. You reap what you sow later than you sow it. Now, this is why this is a principle that people think they just work their way around. Verses 8 and 9 is where somewhat of the agricultural as well as the spiritual analogy begins to break down. And here's what I mean by that. When a farmer sows seed, he knows in a general time frame when the harvest is going to come. Now, that harvest time might be pushed back several weeks. It might even come a little bit sooner, depending upon rain, upon drought, upon other conditions. But there's a basic idea you sow in this season, and here's a general idea as to when you're going to reap the harvest. That is not always the case in this. It might be that you sow the seeds of the flesh today, and you don't reap the harvest for 30 years from now. And listen... That's the reason people think they got away with something. That's the reason they think, well, it's not that bad. God didn't strike me with lightning today. I'm still all right. I'm doing my own thing. This is all working out. And it's over time that all of a sudden chickens come home to roost. What goes around comes around. You begin to reap what you sow. And you look back. And you're like, I can't change that. There is hope. I'm going to give you hope. So if you're all 
all concerned right now, like I sowed a lot of bad seed in my life. Listen, God is gracious, but here's the thing. You and I cannot say, I know God's just going to work the whole thing out and there's not going to be any consequences for this. Many times God allows the consequences to be the story that you use to warn somebody else not to do the same stupid things. Amen. All right. So here's what it says. It talks about the fact, don't lose heart, don't grow weary. That came from the same root word. It speaks of being exhausted and giving up. Now, I completely understand what it's talking about here. And there's a really good chance everybody in this room gets the same thing. When you're going through a tough situation and you are sowing to the Spirit and you're praying and you're in the Word and you're investing in others and you're, you're doing everything the Word of God says to do and things don't change in a reasonable amount of time, and that reasonable depends on who's in the moment, it's very easy to get weary and to think nothing is going to change here. It's very easy for that person to give up and say, if God's not come through yet, I'll just take the ball in my own court. I'm going to handle it myself. That's a dangerous place for us to be. In fact, here's another great passage. Solomon warns people about being at that exact intersection. Here's what he says, Proverbs 16, 25. There is a way which seems right to a man, but it ends in a way of death. In that moment, listen, every person in this room right now will have in front of them a way that seems right. I don't know what that path is going to look like for you. I don't know what decisions you're facing. But apart from the wisdom of the Word of God and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, any of us can make a bunch of stupid decisions that's going to lead to death and destruction. But in front of us right now, it's saying there is a way before man. It seems right. It looks right. It feels right. It checks off all the good little things in our mind, and he says, but it's the way of death. If there's ever something that should drop us to our knees and say, God, help me to not be fooled, it's Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25. That's why verse 9 is also an incredible promise from God. When it says, do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. The other side of this is him saying, you will reap if you don't grow weary. You will reap in, in due time. He's basically saying, stay the course. Keep sowing to the Spirit. Don't turn back. Don't walk away. Just make sure that as, as much as you recognize the sun came up today, the law of gravity is going to hold true tomorrow, in due season, you're going to reap. Stay the course. Now that phrase, in due time. It comes from the word kairos instead of chronos, two different words both used of time. Chronos refers to any moment in a span of time. Kairos is a proper time. It's the fullness of time. It's the right time. It's the same word that was used back over in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, 
talking about when God sent his son into the world. It says, but when the fullness of time came. It wasn't just any old moment of time. It was the right time. It was the exact time. It was the fulfillment of time. Same word that was used in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15 of the second coming of Christ. There is an exact right time when Jesus is coming again. We don't know what that time is going to be. Jesus knows what that time is going to be. So here's what it's saying. It's a promise. When the time is right, when everything God desires to do in this moment he has done, you're going to reap the spiritual harvest that you have sowed. Keep pouring into the right things. Christian parents, keep pouring into your children. Keep disciplining your children. Keep teaching them the word of God. Keep praying over them faithfully. Christian couples, keep praying for your spouse. Keep claiming the promises of God over your marriage. Teachers, keep showing up in your class prayed up for your students. Keep being salt and light where God's placed you. People who are in business, people who are doctors, people who work in factories, keep being exactly who God has called you to be, exactly where God has placed you. Keep living as salt and light. It might seem like nobody's listening. It might seem like nobody wants it. It might seem like nobody cares. Keep doing the right things because in due season, he says, you're going to reap. You know what I get excited about when it comes to the church? A lot of doom and gloom going on in the world around us. But we have a gospel message that can set people free. He doesn't need our advertisements, but he chooses to use us anyway. So here's what happens. When we keep showing up, worshiping Jesus, preaching the gospel, making disciples, praying over our community, listen, there's going to be a harvest time that comes it's promised in his word. That's not name it and claim it. That is promise. You reap what you sow. Here's the thing. If you're about to get weary and throw in the towel, don't give up. Don't give up. Stay in the fight. Stay praying. Keep praying for that grandchild you've been praying about that you think nobody is going to reach that grandchild. Keep praying about your children. Keep praying about your neighbors. You keep on doing what you know to do because the laws of sowing and reaping are going to work for those who are sowing to the spirits, the things of the spirits. So let me leave this section with a wonderful promise from Amos chapter 9, verse 13. It's not every day you get a quote out of Amos, so write this one down. It says, Amos 9, 13, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman will overtake the reaper. That's a beautiful concept. When God is ready to do what God is going to do, when the time is right, there's a shortened span of time between the sowing and the reaping. We reap what we sow later than we sow it. Here's the last part of that statement. In proportion to what was sown. Now, this is a completely different passage. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. 
but it's absolutely in the same theme of sowing and reaping. It says, now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So ask yourself the question, what kind of harvest do I want? Do I want a meager harvest? Do I want a bumper crop? We reap what we sow later than we sow it in proportion to what was sown. So let's finish with those outer verses in order to apply it at this point. Where should we sow based upon this text? First, it's found in verse number six. Share all good things with those who teach the word. The text says the one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Now, there is definitely an aspect of giving within the local church that can absolutely come out right here. We, we know that because the primary place that people are taught the word is going to be within the local church. Now, as a guy who is paid by the church, I do recognize the tension in me saying you need to give to the local church. That is not lost on me, but I also want to be very clear. What I'm teaching is just simply what Scripture is saying. I'm not trying to bring in another idea on this. God has blessed. God has taken care of us. We are grateful. But here's, here's how I want to expand this out just a little bit more. What about those who are your connect group leaders, your kids workers, your student pastors, your biblical counselors, your Christian teachers? What about the Christian parents who have taught the word to their children for generations. Look at what it says. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. The thought there is how can we bless those who have been pouring into us? Think of ways of people who have poured into your family and just say, God, what does it look like for us to bless them? Here's the next part. Where should we sow? So did the Spirit. That's found in verse number 8. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Sow your time, your energy, your resources, mental focus, personal efforts to the things of the Spirit. When we sow to the things of God, we reap the things of God. Next one. Do good to all people, especially the household of faith. This is found in verse number 10. It says, let us do good to all people especially those who are the household of the faith. Sometimes you don't have to come up with your own phrasing, just simply say exactly what God's saying. I mean, it's right there. It's in front of us. Now, here's what that means. We are to sow good deeds. We are to care for. We are to love all people. That doesn't change here. But he also says, but especially those of the household of faith, just as much as Moms and dads are called to care for their children because they're your family. We, as believers, are called to care for the church because they're our family. It doesn't mean we stop caring for people out there. It just means we start and make sure we're caring for people within the community of faith. Here's the last part of that. When should we sow? Verse 10 would tell us, while we have opportunity. That opportunity, that idea in due season, that comes from that idea of kairos. It means God gives specially appointed moments, opportunities 
that you may never have again. You might have those moments where God prompts you, give to this individual. Go back, turn around, give something, drop off a meal for somebody that was homeless on the street. It might be that there's a mission trip that is going out. It might be that God begins to prompt you, pray for this individual, write a note of encouragement for that individual. And you don't know why, but it's on your mind over and over again. Here's what you'll find many times. When you respond in obedience to what it is God's prompting you to do, you will recognize that was a specifically, divinely appointed moment in time. And you also know the other side of that. When you don't do it, and you're like, I missed my opportunity. It's not come back up. I, I, I knew what I was supposed to do. I just simply did not do it. There are times, moments in time that God says, here's a gift. Here's a chance. Here's a way to serve. Here's an opportunity to bless others. We reap what we sow later than we sow it in proportion to what was sown. So what are you sowing? What's the harvest going to look like? If you're growing weary, remember what the text says. In due time, we will reap. Are you sowing to the flesh and praying for crop failure? Doesn't work that way. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Pray and ask God to show you where in your life he wants to apply the lessons of sowing and reaping. It's going to be different for each person in the room. But ask God, would you show me areas right now where I'm sowing to the wrong things and I need to stop? Would you show me the areas right now I'm about to give up on, but you're saying in due season you're going to reap? Ask God to apply it specifically in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask tonight that as we leave this place, that, Lord, you would allow the events of today, the worship of this morning, the focus on the name of Christ this morning, God, the time that you've given us tonight to gather together, to be back in the word, the principles of sowing and reaping, Lord, I pray that every part of what you're doing today would cause us to think and to process and to walk in deeper intimacy with you in the week ahead. Lord, we recognize you have an unbelievable plan at play. God, may we see where you're working and simply join you in that. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week. We will see you this next Sunday.